can do this and then are you still down for tacos excited that you've joined us again for another episode my name is tommy park and i'm joined here with my friend aldo Monden. i'm here made it you did it yeah we're so proud of you <laughs> and people that people thought you know what this guy there's no way he's gonna make it through even three episodes they said don't even bother doing a podcast with that guy and now and now look where we are we're on episode six it's unbelievable yeah we're we're moving along so so, Aldo, it's your week uh, to do the highlight of the podcast. I know the internet's going crazy about about our dad jokes. So, how how many people do you think just tune out immediately after the dad joke? Like, what do you think the percentage of that is? According to my research, seventeen percent. Seventeen percent. So, of our three listeners, seventeen <laughs> uh, percent. Okay, well, this is for those seventeen percent. There you go. I've got two kind of here. I'm trying to decide which one I want to do. I think I think this one is. I. It's really about what I think will make you laugh. And so, here's what here's what I think. Okay, it is about me. Yeah. What did the authorities do when Barbie's boyfriend was involved in a serious car accident? I don't know. They called his next of kin. <laughs> get it? Yeah, you got you get it? it. You get it? Because his, his name's, name's Ken. Ken. Yeah. yeah, get it. I had. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the alternate? Do you want to hear what the alternate was? Sure. Why not? What do you get if you swim in the Red Sea? What do you get? Marooned. Ooh. <laughs> that one made me laugh. Oh, that one might have been just for me. Um, Maybe. <laughs> so. If you remember, uh, this summer we've been walking through the Apostles' Creed, uh, covering the kind of the basics, the essence of Christianity. Uh, what Wait, we... this isn't a dad joke podcast? No. Oh, okay. No. So that was, we're we're trying to draw in that seventeen percent. Yeah, yeah. Now the hope is that they would stay, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> um, so the the eighty three percent of you who are still around. Uh, we appreciate that you are here for the Apostles' Creed um, and that we are kind of walking through this creed line by line almost. And so uh, as we do a little review, I'm just going to read uh, the creed for us. Yeah. Uh, recite it. Uh, so so here we go. Just as a little reminder. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, uh, Tommy, as I think people will clearly know, I'm kind of the weak link of this podcast. So can you just remind us what we talked about last week? Because, you know, all these podcasts, I, I don't have enough RAM to yeah. keep all that in my brain. So your, your, your little discs are spinning. Yeah. Yeah. So just a quick little review. So, again, we've been kind of going through this line by line and reminding that uh, that the uh, Christian faith is one of belief, uh, that we believe in certain 
truths. Uh, we, you know, at the very beginning, we talked about just God being the Almighty One, the Creator. Um, the last probably about three or four weeks, we looked at who Jesus was. As you can see, there's, you know, the big part of the statement is all about Jesus and what He has done and is doing and will do. And last two or three weeks, we looked at this whole idea of who Jesus was. I think it was like two weeks ago where we looked at him being the only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Um, last, well, two weeks ago, that was three weeks ago. Last week, we looked at being him being suffered and dying for us and this piece of him being uh, des- descending into hell. And then last week, we talked about the resurrection. Kind of this, for some people, and a lot of people, kind of Easter morning, that, that climax of his work. Yeah. I mean, so covered a lot of ground. Speaking of things we can go on and on about, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, so this week we're going to finish this section on Jesus Christ by looking at what Jesus is and will do. So this piece of him ascending, uh, him sitting at the right hand of the Father, and him again to judge the living and the dead. So we're going to first look at the what's called the ascension. Yeah. Yeah, no, so the ascension um, is maybe, I don't know if you would agree with this, but maybe this is like the forgotten part of the Easter story, um, or maybe the forgotten part of, of Christ's ministry. Um, you know, if there's like a part that, um, you know, people don't uh, don't think about very much, or at least I didn't kind of growing up, I, you know, you kind of think about Christmas, like incarnation, cool, um, Easter, resurrection, cool. And then like, you know, in, in the church calendar, there is this thing called Ascension Day. But like, I don't know, you know, when's the last time you had people over to your house for Ascension Day? Well, this year. So. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, a Hallmark, you know, I guess made, you know, trying to, trying to don't want to spread out their clientele too thin. You know, so all the intention is on Jesus being born or the incarnation and him rising again from the dead. Mm-hmm. And and I think you're right. Although I think this is the forgotten piece. I think in a lot of ways, I, you know, some people would make the argument that the climax of his ministry isn't the resurrection is the, his ascension. Yeah. Um, him, his ascension, as we'll look at here in a second, proves all the other stuff he did. Right. Um, it, it, you know, it kind of like since he's ascending, he is the risen one. Uh, he's the one who died for us. He's the one who suffered. He's the one, um, and you see that in, in particular in Acts is kind of the the picture of the the ascension, uh, Acts chapter one. Um, and I think J. I. Packer kind of, you know, he's the guy we love to quote. Um, but, you know, he's basically, you know, Jai Packer talks about Jesus. By him ascending, he is taking up his throne. He's proving to his followers that he is the king, uh, that he is the Lord, uh, that he's the one who's reigning and ruling. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you brought up Acts chapter 1. And in that, there's a, you know, Luke has this great way of, of writing. And he introduces the whole ascension narrative with this question is that they asked him, you know, Jesus is resurrected. He's conquered death. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And, you know, I think from their perspective of what they were expecting, which was an earthly kingdom, the answer is no. But in the sense of, is he going to rightfully restore the throne is he going to really take up his throne and rule and reign the answer is totally yes and that's what the ascension is all about you know is this is the answer that jesus gives to are you restoring the kingdom of israel and instead of 
um, as he goes up and it sits in throne instead of um, the nation being restored in in just Israel and the physical boundaries then the narrative moves to us exploding out into all the world uh, proclaiming the good news of this ruling and reigning king yeah and you see that exactly here and you know continue here in Acts 1 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Ju- Judah and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so and then he he leaves there in verse nine and then they're like all looking up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the angel comes down and it's like, why are you looking up? And it's like, yeah. uh, you know, like Jesus kind of like floated up there. Kind of like, this yeah. kind of cool. You, like, yeah. did you not did, see that? Yeah. Did you see what we saw? Yeah. But the idea being of like, hey, you've been commissioned. It's time to go out. Like, because he's taken up this throne, there's an announcement to be made. And there's an interesting, like, forgive me for dropping the history section in this, but there's kind of an interesting, like, historical sort of parallel here um, in that one of the things that the ancient Romans would talk about is their their emperors being deified. And so one of the ways that they would talk about that is someone, witnesses would see the spirit or whatever of some um, emperor as they were being buried, um, buried. I don't know why I said buried, um, buried, uh, rising up into heaven. And so that would be like somebody said, Oh, I saw their spirit. And so someone might see an Eagle flying away or something. And they would remark as that was the spirit of the, of the emperor rising to become a God. And so as Jesus is ascending, there's immediately this polemical anti-imperial, sort of statement about who the real king of the world is. And it's not a spirit. It's not his spirit. It's not something like that, but it's his physical bodily resurrection. It's not, and it's not, you know, an Eagle, it's him in person appearing to all the disciples and rising up and it's claiming, Oh, Jesus is really the Lord of the world and the King of the universe. And so clearly a huge topic. And I think, you know, we could kind of go in a lot of different directions on this, but I think one thing that, would just be really helpful. I think cause I've struggled to connect this a lot is like, all right, cool. And we've talked about this language a little bit, but like, what does this mean for us? Cause it could be like, Oh, Jesus floated until like, like a balloon and then you couldn't see him anymore. And then it's like, but what does that mean for us? Like, well, how does that impact our life? Like, what does it mean for Christianity today that Jesus is ascended? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's the question, you know, what does it mean? How does this practically involved in our lives. I think first of all, by him ascending proves that what he did on earth actually worked. No. Um, again, it's kind of the, the proof that he is who he said he was, you know, and, and they all go together. It's kind of this chain or this link that him, his incarnation, his perfect life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and him ascending all go together and they all prove, and this is the kind of the climax, that he's not just one who... Because in some sense, in particular in the Gospels, people have risen from the dead again. Right. Jesus is the only one who didn't die again. Like, Lazarus rose again from the dead, mm-hmm. uh, which tells us something about his kingdom, but again, Lazarus died again. Right. Again. Um, but here Jesus ascends uh, to his throne. And we'll, I think we'll get there in a second. You know, Psalm 110 in Hebrews 1 and him sitting or, stand, or sitting at the right hand uh, is kind of 
And so I think it gives us comfort. It gives me comfort that the same Jesus I worship and celebrate on, on Christmas and Easter is the same one who's ascended into heaven, who's ruling, uh, and who is still my prophet, priest, and king. That yeah. his job is not, and this is why I think we labeled it this episode kind of the active present work of Jesus is that he's currently acting. He's currently ascended and at the right hand um, and will one day come back and judge, but he's still at work and he's still with us and he's for us. And, and yeah. And I mean, it presents, you know, I think the, the other thing that I, I think about, and you mentioned this when we were talking about acts was the sending of the spirit, which we're kind of going to have a, a topic on the Holy Spirit, but it bookends the narrative of Jesus because we talked in the beginning that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so the same spirit that bore him um, is the same spirit that ra- that God used to raise him from the dead. And now he ascends and he sends that same spirit to you and I. And so there's this, in some sense, there's um, Jesus is, has ascended. He's left but in another way, he's with us in a more intimate way than, than ever before because he sends his spirit to dwell with us and to be part of, to share in what he has in this resurrection life. Yeah, you don't want to give it too much away. Yeah. That's our next episode. Not getting too far ahead. Yeah. Just... We'll, we'll, hopefully that'll leave everybody in suspense. Come back for the Holy Spirit. The the other thing that we most time forget to talk about. Um, and also, I think I would say that this whole ascension, you know, it, I think one thing, and it would be cool for us to do a podcast on this, the, the whole theme of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that the ascension kind of puts a point or exclamation point particularly that Jesus is the king, that our God's the king, that he's ruling and reigning, and that he he's with us and he's for us, and that he is, and that we can ex- still experience him. Um and fellowship particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and you mentioned, we've mentioned acts a few times, but the other, you know, kind of appearance, there's a few appearances of Jesus in acts, but to kind of underscore what you're mentioning there is, um, Jesus is spoken of as being seated at the right hand of the father. And, um, you know, that's where the creed goes. The creed continues the narrative for us. Right. And it moves us right into that, which is, this idea of Jesus is ruling and reigning. And when you sit at someone's right hand is a place of equal authority and power. Um, and so, you know, uh, Stephen testifies in Acts seven, um, that he saw heaven open and the son of man, which is Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Um, Hebrews one 13, which you mentioned earlier talks about, um, sit at my right hand while I make your enemies, your footstool. There's this idea of Jesus is not only ascended as if he's, um, you know, I guess the idea could be maybe he's he's kind of waiting. He's kind of up there in like, you know, the waiting room to come back and it's just kind of like chilling. Um, and then one day the Holy Spirit's going to come. But no, he's taken up a throne and he's ruling and he's reigning and he's working right now at the right hand of God, which is to say that he is um, equal in, in power. Yeah, and I think even Paul in Colossians 3 particularly proves this point to give us comfort as Christians that and motivation to live in the here and now in this already, but not yet reality that, that Jesus is risen. And since he's at the right hand of God, the father, we can press on, we can press forward. We can have comfort. Uh, you know, and I think this whole idea of him, Jesus being at our right hand, you know, it gives us this whole idea that, that there's special 
uh, favor and status uh, that we have Jesus's ear, you know, encouraging mm-hmm. that, that he is, his present heavenly rule is acting right now. And, and again, that Acts seven passage, you know, that, uh, it's, it's the only place that we see Jesus mentions that he's actually standing. Uh, there's this, is Stephen being stoned? If you, you know, you may not remember that passage in detail, but there's Stephen, the first martyr being stoned for his faith. And as he's being stoned and being killed for his faith, he looks up to heaven mm. and heaven in a sense kind of opens up in this weird sense that we may not understand totally. But what he saw was Jesus, standing on his behalf um, yeah. and kind of as his king. And I would probably argue as his prophet, priest and king, right? That all three of those offices were kind of being all at play at once. Yeah. Standing in the sense of, you know, when he sees, you know, that's an interesting point. Cause it's, you know, it's when he sees Stephen's suffering is it's not, you know, seated as a sense of completed work, but standing is also coming to, you know, Stephen is, is, is rising to work and that's, you know, coming to Stephen's aid. But you mentioned just briefly there, you mentioned kind of Jesus, three offices, prophet, priest, and King. And I think we've kind of been, we've been talking about those in sort of roundabout ways, but why don't you just break that down for us a little bit in terms of prophet, priest, and King? Like, what are we, like, what are we talking about there? Maybe just give us the, give us the overview of what that's, what's that's about. Yeah. Throughout the the whole storyline of scriptures, we see that, Christ plays out in many different roles. Um, and you can see the complexity of the Christian, Christian faith. It's not just this political type thing, but there's this a priestly sense of it, taking away of our, our guilt and our shame. There's a, a kingly sense where he's ruling and defending us. Uh, there's a prophet sense of it, that he is speaking truth to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and those all three things are at play, you know, so he's prophet uh, by revealing to us by his word and his spirit, uh, the very will of God for our salvation. So he is like those prophets that we see in the Old Testament, but he is the ultimate prophet that we've been longing for. Um, he's priests uh, that he as priests, he's offering up himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice, to reconcile us to God and to make that continual intercession for us. Since he's at the right hand, he is still our ultimate priest. And then lastly, the whole idea of him being king is that he's ruling and defending us. And we see that with with Stephen in Acts 6, that he is defending Stephen uh, and that he's going to restrain and conquer all his and our enemies. And so, and I think that helps me that there's this complexity in wonder and all of, of Jesus work. It's not just this one kind of thing that he is our prophet, priest, and king. He's protecting us. He's ruling us. Uh, he is sacrificing, uh, and he's our ultimate priest that he's continually, he's, we don't need a new one. Like in the old Testament, he is the one and only and final one. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Cause I think, you know, I think, you know, if you give everybody like a theology test, it's really, you know, everybody would get the right answer. But I think functionally, sometimes the way that we work and the way that I sometimes work is like, man, it's really great what Jesus did a long time ago. Like, isn't that awesome? But then it's really like, oh, that was like what he did then. And now like it's on us. 
to kind of complete things. And now, you know, really what we're talking about here in the Ascension and his ruling and his reigning and his sitting at the right hand of God is like what he is continuing to do for us, that he's not, um, that he hasn't absent, he hasn't left us, you know, as, um, as the gospel of John, I think it's John, um, 14 says, I will not leave you as orphans. Like he hasn't done something for us and then abandoned us and like, all right, you guys figure it out from here. But he is still ruling and reigning. He's still working and advancing the kingdom of God. He's still interceding for us. He is still loving us. He is still, as you said, caring for us. Um, and he is still at work, even if it's not, um, you know, on the, on the earth in a like physical bodily sense, but he's still working here. And so even as we're, you know, preaching is as we're praying, even as we're working, we're not doing so on our own, but we're partnering with him. We are in, in the sense, just following the path that he is, is going forward. And we're just following along behind our great King who is leading us forward. And I think that that's a really important part in our lives, um, is to remember that. And I think for me, I quickly forget that like, Oh, like I'm not here, like blazing new trails or, um, thinking in new ways. I'm only just trying to follow the paths that Jesus is putting us forward to. Um, yeah. So I hope that that's helpful for some people, but there's a, you know, another part that the creed kind of brings us to, um, and this kind of touches on his, his kingship, but also on his, you know, also on everything else, but especially his truth telling as a prophet that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, or as the old English puts it in the way that I still have to say it, he will come to judge the quick and the dead, which is, you know, I like that spicy, but when we're talking about coming to judge, I mean, I think Tommy, people are probably intimidated by that. That's the part that we would probably most quickly want to say under our breath and quickly, and hopefully not think about too long, but what, you know, comfort some afflicted souls out there for us, you know, or tell us what that's all about. And why is that actually good for us? Yeah, no, it's good for us. There's a lot to say, but I'll start here. The the sense of just the whole idea of being kind of fearful that Jesus is going to judge all things. And even all things that we do is first, I think we need to remember that the one who's coming to judge us is someone who totally knows us and loves us and adores us and who actually died for us. Um, second, you know, I would say that, you know, Jesus, the one who's going to come and, and judge us is one who's passionately committed to us. Um, he's, he is our prophet and our priest and King. Those things are true. At the beginning of his ministry at the very end of his ministry here, as we kind of see him coming back as judge. And then lastly, we see him, that he is one who we know and that we trust. Uh, we've seen it time and time again that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so, you know, in some sense, I, I'm not 100% sure what this judgment is going to look like and feel like, but what I do know, those things are true. Right. That Jesus totally knows me, he's committed to me, and that I know and trust him um, because we've seen it. We've seen him live the life, die the death, rise again, him being ascended, and that he will come and um, and make all things right. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've the even as you were talking, this kind of just popped in my head, so this is, you know, this is live on the air. Um, but, you know, the thing that popped into my mind was, you know, Jesus returns, r- is resurrected, and the first person like, that he's going to find is Peter. 
and Peter had, you know, betrayed Jesus. He had abandoned him. Um, and Peter's, you know, probably full of guilt and shame. And Jesus's instinct with Peter is not to condemn him. It's not to, um, not to tell him all the ways that he screwed up, but it's to restore him and to, you know, bring him back into the kingdom and to help him as he's going to move forward. And I thought of that as just like, when you're talking about someone who is going to judge us, who knows and loves us and cares for us is that's, I think maybe the paradigm to be thinking about is like, what does that judgment look like? It's like, it doesn't, you know, Jesus doesn't overlook Peter's problems, but he comes to forgive and in grace um, in that situation. And he does, you know, John 21, I think is what you're thinking of that. He does more than just that, but he also sends Peter out. No. You're going to love my sheep, Peter. Uh, you're going to feed them. Um, and so, some powerful image there. Yeah, so that's um, that's great. And I think the big thing that we want to, the big thing I, I think we're, you know, maybe want to end on is, where does this lead us to? What should, what should our response be in this? Like, how should we, what should this lead us to? Is it, you know, should we kind of be fear, um, despair? Where, where should we be at when we talk about the judgment and Christ's return? Like what, where should all that lead us to? Yeah. And I think one thing we probably need to stress is that this whole idea of the judgment is not new, just a new Testament thing. It's an old Testament thing. We see in Psalm 96, um, and other places that God's going to come and judge the world. Uh, Matthew 19, uh, Matthew 25 talks about the Son of Man coming in his glory, uh, that he's going to, he has appointed a day of that judgment. Uh, Acts 17, that he has fixed a day when he will judge uh, the world in righteousness. And so, so on one side, that gives us comfort because of even in our current day, you know, in the midst of a lot of new cycle is injustice. Uh, Jesus is going to come back and make all things right, uh, Revelation 21. Uh, so it gives us hope uh, for a new day to dawn, that final day, uh, that final wedding feast, that final judgment day, that final, um, you know, that kind of all things be made right, um, and, that, and that day is coming. But also it gives us a posture personally of, of that it moves us towards repentance, that we... Um, I mean, I think Jesus uh, does this well in Matthew 24 and 25 with different parables of the two servants, of the talents, uh, of preparing the disciples and us that when he comes back, we need to be ready. Um, and we need to, um, in that readiness, it's basically just in that constant posture of repentance, of humility, of that our good king is with us and for us. And knowing that, so when he does come back, um, we can approach the very throne with confidence uh, that he loves us and adores us and and that he's going to put his his world back to rights. Um, yeah, I mean, you're just thinking of the really famous Luther quote that when our Lord Jesus said repent, he meant for the entire believer's life to be one of repentance. And so that's, you know, where it leads us to is one, as you said, hope that um, it's not dependent on us, that the the one who um, died and rose again is also coming back to set all things right, that he's, you know, the firstborn of this new creation that he's going to inaugurate. Um, but also it reminds us of our own, um, our own sinfulness. And hopefully 
you know, as you said, we're going and we're repenting to one who knows us and loves us and cares for us. And so that's, it's an invitation to come and be made right with God, um, in this coming judgment that, um, he invites us to, to, to set ourselves right before him as he's going to come, uh, again. And so, uh, I think that's probably a, a solid place to end it. We did it. We finished the work. People first. said you, we wouldn't make it, Tommy. People well, we said did it. We, we made it all the way through Jesus. So yeah. next week, the Holy ghost. Oh man. So the H ghost, another thing that particular reform Presbyterians don't talk about. I, I'm, yeah. We might have to get a guest. Um, yeah. Somebody, I think we can handle it. You think we can do it? I, I mean, I, you're confident. I'm confident. Yeah. I see you have a big book on the Holy spirit on the table. So that's, that's yeah. a good, I've been reading and thinking through it. Good. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, check us out on the socials, um, the gram. Um, Tell your friends. Yeah. Tommy, do you have a Snapchat? No. I no. Don't know. Um, no. You could just text me and Aldo and we'll come hang out with you. Do you have a MySpace still? No. Oh, okay. I didn't That's know. illegal, I think. Oh, he think- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. well, thanks for listening. This is where the... Uh, <laughs> other 83 percent just yeah there's leaves there's the one person listening yeah. and they're uh they're gonna what are they gonna say yeah so yeah thanks for listening hit us up on the socials at ruf at unf um yeah be on the lookout for different things coming up events send us a, a tweet or whatever um thanks for listening Just to get up that hill